Can you still hear me? Creek okay. froze. Oh, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Now we can. <clears throat> oh, just uh, for you guys, uh, I'm sorry. Hold on just a second. Um, I have to stay open for um, the, the heater guy uh, if they call. My wife is cool. here to That's deal fine. with them if they do, but if they call, I may have to take it quickly. Okay, uh-huh. sorry. Welcome back to another episode of Awareness Action Enneagram Podcast, and I'm with my less foreman hosts. Um, <laughs> Mario Sakura and Lee Fields. Um, I didn't mean to sound, that sounded disappointed. Lee Fields. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. Lee Fields is here. Oh, yeah. She's a she's a great friend of <laughs> ours and uh, of it, certified in the ATA, all the things. And um, Maria Jose is um, what what is she doing today, Mario? I, uh, her daughter's graduating from uh, high school today. That's beautiful. So uh, she yeah. is spending the day with her. And uh, yes, so so this is an opportunity uh, for for you and I, Creek, to um, you know see if there's a, <laughs> a way different to, one, you know, upgrade and uh, try out some fresh blood. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 Lee is fresh off yeah. her attempt to steal Drew Mosier's job on uh, Fathoms. So right, um, it's one podcast yeah. oh, wow. after another. That's amazing, uh, Lee. In in thirty seconds uh, or less. Tell us about who you are and what what in the world are you doing in the Enneagram community? <laughs> yes. Oh, Creek, 30 seconds or less. Thank you. Mario, please ring the bell when we get <laughs> yeah, close. Um, so my name is Lee Fields. Uh, I'm geographically in Athens, Georgia, and um, I'm working with the Enneagram first and foremost with myself personally, and then that expanded into a larger purview of working with individuals and groups uh, to try to help people relate better to themselves and reality. So you're geographically another. in Georgia. Are you, where's your essential <laughs> self located? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering spiritually or... Uh, uh, <laughs> I have, would have to have yeah, more than 30 right. seconds to There's, answer those yeah, things. And no I thinking think about it, on so. this episode. Pass. Um, so we're, we're <laughs> going to be talking a little bit more about um, ATA slash Mario's um, view on spirituality. We're going to, again, define some more terms, get more specific. And uh, I don't know, maybe you'll learn something new about Mario. Um, he's, he's, not so, he's not so scary, um, turns out, <laughs> in certain circumstances. Um, <laughs> I, can, can, can I just say that this topic... Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. The brainstorm... Mar- this was not too, Mario's idea. Right? So, uh, yeah, so... All right. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, and thank goodness Maria yeah. Jose does not listen to the podcast, um, and so no, will not great. hear this because I would get an um, earful. I think uh, you know after this. So, right. should let the kids drive. So <laughs> we're going to start off with in last episode you defined spirituality as the cultivation of <laughs> of 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 with <laughs> of wisdom. <laughs> Apparently, you don't listen wisdom, to the podcast either. Efficacy, Kurt, so, uh, wonder and uh, compassion. Compassion. 
Yeah, Oddly well, enough, you, you know, forget the it's just so ingrained, you know, I don't need to remember those things. Um, but, uh, uh-huh. yeah. And, yeah. And, and I'll also say that I, that's not what I would say is my definition of spirituality mm-hmm. because I don't really have one. Right. But that's sure, what I'm sure. trying to cultivate. So let's, in my life. um, let's just start with wisdom. Um, how do you define wisdom? Uh, that was an interesting question when you before. asked me that yes. prior to the <laughs> session. And I was tempted to, uh, yeah, right. Uh, um, and I was tempted to go on Merriam-Webster and see how wisdom is you know, defined. But I thought, well, what do I really think it is? And I think it's, it's the application of knowledge supported by perspective and experience. Can you unpack that for us? I can. So it starts with knowledge. In order to be wise, you have to know things. Okay. You know, you have to know facts. You have to um, know ideas, so forth. You have to have something to apply. But a lot of people think that the accumulation of knowledge is the same as wisdom. And of course, it's not. Okay. Uh, Otherwise, it would be called wisdom instead of knowledge. So uh, wisdom is what somebody gains by applying the knowledge they have with a broader perspective, right? So when I talk about, you know, supported by perspective, meaning that you see the bigger picture of how these things apply. It's not just, you know, a very limited view of things. And also um, the... um, there's experience involved, okay? Because people seem to think, particularly in the Enneagram world, I see this all the time. And in fact, I've been engaged in a conversation or an exchange with someone recently who, uh, in his quest to type everybody in the universe and retype me, um, you know, uh, could not understand why I kept asking, what experience do you actually have using this material? Right. Um, Because he doesn't have any. And so just, you know, well, why does that matter? Why can't I truly know the Enneagram better than you, by the way, Mario, um, without ever having actually applied it in real life in some way? And so I think, you know, look, you don't get good at anything without doing it. Okay. So, um, yeah. So experience is a huge part of wisdom as well. Now, none of those things independently uh, are sufficient. Okay. And it doesn't mean that you have to have, you know, that somebody with more experience is necessarily better. Okay. Has to be quality experience and so forth. You know, you would have to add in a lot of things when you start unpacking the whole idea. You could go on all day about what wisdom is and what are some of the elements that, aid in the development of it but for a working definition i think that's good enough Hmm. (laughs) 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 okay folks that's it yeah so thanks for being here we'll have maria jose back next time (laughs) i was so caught in the definition that i was um so I've studied in a lot of different Enneagram Like all schools, of them. Let's be specific. Right? And uh, for, 
I have not studied in all of them. I consider that a personal challenge. Um, But I have found some unique qualities in in studying with you, Mario. Um, And some surprising ones, right? Uh, I would say that one of the things sort of speaking to your definition of wisdom, though, that I think is uh, completely it's so much an essential part of your teaching, uh, which is rigor and thoroughness and specificity, right? And um, it's a very grounded approach, right? And grounded is one of those terms that uh, has a lot of potential meaning. So I'll go ahead and define part of what I mean by it. Um, you define your terms, you use them consistently, you teach applicable, doing-oriented ways of working with the Enneagram, right? Okay, here's the theory, how do we do something practical with it? Um, And I find that with your approach, whether I agree with it fully or not, I can still find a way to apply it right now, today, after the class, right? And tomorrow. (laughs) And then I have something to work with other than just this concept of um, a concept about a theory, (laughs) right? I have something that's actionable and enough uh, language in the term defining to know that we're on the same page. Like I can feel confident that I have a pretty good understanding of what you've taught or what you've said, whether I agree with it or not, and here's something to do about it. And that's a pretty potent combination of things (laughs) when you've got a pretty good map pointing you in the direction, right? Um, And in other schools that I've been in, I've learned a lot of different things, but I have never learned as many how to, I have never learned how to think, how to practically apply the Enneagram as much as I have working with awareness to action. False <laughs> statement, no question. Uh, yeah, was, is there a point here, Lee? So, yeah. Uh, um, there, there is a point. Um, uh, yeah. And I'm curious yeah. to. And who says I'm intimidating? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're kind of friends. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Um, Uh, I think that, that part of what, um, part of what people could read in you is certainty might actually be simplicity, (laughs) right? I'm laughing. Clarity. I'm I'm laughing and I'll tell you because my, you know, my mother was, I'm older, certainly than Creek, older than you too, Lee, but, um, and so my mother was more old school and her thing to us all the time would be quit being simple right so oh. uh, <laughs> so now i've insulted you right That's, off the bat I, I just had a flashback yes uh, and I'm, I'm expecting the wooden stu- wooden spoon to come my way any moment now so oh. uh, but yeah okay so i'm sorry no i meant it as a compliment yes i, I, no, I, I, <laughs> right. I know um but i think it comes down to um how do you see You've been teaching. You've been teaching with this tool for thirty odd years, right? 
you clearly care about it or you wouldn't be doing it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> just for a second, diving sure. into your heart center, Mario, what, what it's makes... It's a shallow, <laughs> shallow pool. No diving allowed. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Wade in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, what do you care about so much that you're willing to work with this through all the frustration and all the slings and arrows that come your way. Why do you keep showing up? (laughs) One of my favorite podcasts is um, the rewatchables, right? It's a a, a podcast about movies, right? They talk about Mm rewatching and they, um, they just did an episode on an officer and a gentleman. Okay. And there's that classic line where they're trying to get the, the drill sergeant's trying to get Richard Gere to quit and he howls out, I've got nowhere else to go. <laughs> there, that's, that's, there you go. All right. <laughs> what, I'm going to get a job? Come on, man. You know. <laughs> no. Uh, um, so I, I hate origin stories from people, right? I I hate, oh, this is the event that changed my life or I'm the way I am because of, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, So this is not an origin story. History of my life and what's led me to my, this point. Yeah. Not an origin story. History of my life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it was a hot day in the summer of, you know, so. Is this fiction or (laughs) nonfiction? I was riding a bull <laughs> through the Sonoma Desert. Who's who's to say? <laughs> now, look, for starters, okay, um, you know, we can't escape who we are. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, we are the collection of our experiences. We are shaped by things. You know, obviously, we can grow. We can change to some extent, et cetera. But the reason we study the Enneagram is because it helps us understand that there are different kinds of people. And while they can grow, they don't really change. Okay. I'm an eight, right? I mean, and everything that goes along with that is part of who I am, the good and the bad. Okay. So one of the things we know about eights is that, yeah, they're kind of certain people. Right. And part of that is because if you're striving to feel powerful, which for me is the heart of what it means to be an eight, well, then, yeah, certainty. Right. And um, because you cannot act without certainty, power is the capacity to produce a result if you don't have some degree of confidence in what you do, then you're not going to do. Okay. And if you're not going to do, you're never going to be powerful. Okay, um, Not a value judgment. It's just this is what drives me. Um, I remember a, um, a CEO uh, for a company that I was working with. He would tell all of his people, decide. Make 10 decisions a day. Two of them would be wrong. You know, Six of them would be great. Two of them would be so-so. You can fix the two. Okay. But if you're not going to decide, you're not going to act, then you shouldn't be on my team. Okay. So, you know, I'm just somebody who's not comfortable with 
ambiguity and indecisiveness and uncertainty. This doesn't mean that I feel like I have to know the answer to everything. You know, I can just say, yeah, I don't know that. Okay. I don't have an opinion on that. I don't have an answer for that. But I'm not going, if it's something that bothers me, if it's something that keeps me awake at night because I don't have an answer, I'm going to go get an answer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it may be a provisional answer. And I'm real big on provisional answers, right? Um, I, this is going to be the, uh, the answer that I'm going to operate upon until I find out, you know, that I'm wrong or there's a better answer. Okay. Because I can't just sit there and, you know, not do, not, you know, to have things not happen. Now, there's a, a piece of this too, and this is where I was getting into the, the, the origin story piece of this. Um, when I was, Lee, are, do you remember the Reagan era or the Jimmy Carter era? I mean, yeah. I do. You Jimmy do. Carter is my president. Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah. 12. Okay. So, in my elementary book. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even ask you, Kurt. I have heard yeah. of those people, yeah. yes. <laughs> but you have heard of those people, right? Yeah, okay, okay, good. They made yeah. him sell his peanut farm. I'll just say it. <laughs> well, you know, it's an interesting story with Carter because up until recently, uh, presidents always put their assets in a blind trust that was managed by the people. And when Carter came out of office, he realized that whoever had been managing his blind trust managed it right into the ground and he lost everything right so uh uh but anyway i bring this up because in uh, 1980 i was uh, i went to poland with my grandmother right so i'm of polish descent my grandfather had died the previous year um and we went to visit relatives now for those people like Creek, um, you know, who are of a certain age may not understand the significance of going to Poland in 1980, the height of the Cold War, right? Um, and it was a place that people just didn't go, okay, from the United States, except for a very rare occasion. Um, so I went there for a month and um, I ended up getting sick while I was there and pretty much spending most of the time in bed. And uh, I had one book with me okay. no tv in english nobody there spoke english i didn't speak polish there was i mean it's just i had nothing to do except read for a big part of that time and the book i had was called shogun okay james clavell 800 pages you know it's a doorstop of a book fortunately it was a big fat book um but i had enough time i read it twice okay. you sure you're not a yeah. five and um <laughs> yeah yeah real quick here there you go creek retype him real quick yeah right yeah right he reads he's got to be a five yeah um so um the story of shogun is um uh, about a uh, a portuguese ship that lands in china i'm sorry japan and um so most of the crew is kind of put into a prison and all this sort of stuff. But the main character, who was the pilot of the ship, the navigator, um, had knowledge about the world that was useful to the Shogun. Okay. And therefore, he was able to survive and thrive because he knew things. He knew real things. He knew practical things. Okay? And I remember very clearly, or at least I believe I remember very clearly uh, sitting there thinking knowledge is power. 
Okay. I was not a big person when I was young. Um, you know, I was tall, but I was really skinny. Uh, and I thought, you know, you're never going to be a particularly physically powerful person. Grew up, you know, lower, you know, middle class, blue collar sort of existence. You're probably never going to really have money for power, but you'll have knowledge or you can have knowledge. You can have understanding of how the world works. And it was not in a way that for some types is a way of creating a buffer between them and the world, but it's a way of empowering myself to get out into the world and live the life that I wanted to live. Okay. So, uh, you know, again, there's no one thing that leads to anything, but I think that captures my mindset. Okay. If I'm going to engage with the world, which is something I can't help but do, then I better be equipped intellectually from a perspective of knowledge to do so. So I think that's what drives me. And I forget what your question was. Yeah, no, that's, we need more I, of I enjoyed those. telling that little story. Yeah, sure. um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story just on the Poland thing, right? So, um, um, in 1980, the U.S. boycotted the Moscow Olympics, okay? And I was with relatives, and we were driving, you know, from one side of Poland to the next uh, one day, or at least it felt like that. And uh, we're driving down this country road, and up ahead of us, I see these two Mercedes driving toward us with the Olympic flag, okay? And behind these cars is a guy running with the Olympic torch, for the 1980 Moscow Olympics, right? Through the, you know, the middle of nowhere in Poland. Uh, so I probably wow. may be one of the few Americans who got to see the um, Olympic torch that year. So. To, to kind of tie us back into... It's a great story. Um, so, so when you were reading that book, this, this moment of knowledge is power. Um, and then you also said something of like, you're not great with ambiguity, but that doesn't mean that you have to know everything. Um, we, we kind of spoke about wonder in the last episode, but, um, could you talk a little bit more about that pillar as it relates to knowledge, um, and wonder and how often those two seem to be intention, but they don't have to be. Yeah, I, th I think, so I think wonder transcends knowledge it's independent of knowledge right i mean i there's things that i know that i hold in wonder as well right i mean i look up at the stars and i know what they are but i'm still awestruck okay now of course i don't really know what they are right i mean i you know i mean because we keep learning more and, and all of that so uh, so uh, there's a difference between Ignorance and ambiguity, I think, right? Ambiguity means that there's an open question that needs to be resolved. Uh, whereas ignorance is just, yeah, I just don't know that. And so I don't have the data upon which to make a judgment. I remember, I remember talking to a relative um, when there was the, um, um, 
the police killing of a black man in, was it East St. Louis maybe, or uh, somewhere some years ago? And uh, it was around Thanksgiving time, and a relative is saying to me, so what do you think about that case? Do you think the cop did it? And my response was, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know I, I really haven't been following it. I don't know the details. I don't know the evidence of it. I know about it, but I, I, how could I have an opinion on you know, whether he's guilty or not? And this person said to me, well, you got to have an opinion. And I said, yeah, actually, no, I don't. And he says, well, everybody has an opinion on it. And I said, yeah, Mm -hmm. well, I I don't. I mean, you know, how how can I have an opinion on something like that, right? But most people feel the need to have an opinion. So so becoming comfortable with, yeah, you know what? I I don't know enough about that to have an opinion Mm -hmm. is different from ambiguity. Okay, because for me, ambiguity is like, eh, you know, could be this, could be that. And I really need to decide on this because it impacts me somehow or, you know, it's or it's getting in the way. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I, I wish um, Maria Jose was here so she could tell this story. But we were with friends in um, in Belgium once and we might have even told this story on the podcast once. But we were trying to decide. Um, what to do next, right? These friends had taken us out for a really lovely day of sightseeing and here and there. And they said, you know what? You can go here. We could go here. We can go there, you know? And, and I said, no, I don't care. And I was half asleep, right? And they're kind of talking through it. And, well, you know, should we go here? Should we go there? Blah, blah, blah. You know, should we go to the market or should we go out to the country? You know, and, you know, and it's like, and I said, go to the market, (laughs) you know, and, and they were kind of like shocked, you know, and Maria Jose starts laughing and says, yeah, he doesn't do ambiguity well. Right. So, uh, so, so, you know, so for me, it's like, okay, you're, you're wasting my time here. Right. And now again, not a criticism of the lovely guys and they were just trying to do the right thing, but come on, man, make a decision, right. Move on. So, so for me, that's the difference there. Now, when it comes to wonder, Okay. You know, wonder is just the ability to step back and see, you know, and, and, and this comes from curiosity and rigor, I think, to be able to step back and say, man, you know what? That is really cool. And I still don't get it. Or again, I do get it, but yeah, it's like, Man, how cool is that? Okay. So I think true wonder comes from insight and knowledge rather than, you know, gremlins did it. Okay. What's what's interesting about that, right? What do I wonder about that if I know the gremlins did it? Okay. Um, There's there's a great video that people can Google uh, by Richard Feynman. It's a picture, a video of Richard Feynman, the uh, great physicist. For those of you who saw Oppenheimer, he was the young kid occasionally playing bongos at the Mm. parties in Oppenheimer, but who wasn't mentioned at all. So uh, uh, he, he was a fascinating guy. And he tells this story. It's called The Rose. And he says how a poet friend of his says, yeah, you scientists, you know, you don't, you don't appreciate the beauty of a rose like us poets do. And Feynman says, eh, you know, maybe I don't have your aesthetic, you know, abilities. And maybe I couldn't describe it in the way that you could. But I can appreciate the beauty of it. And I understand photosynthesis. And I understand 
why there are these colors and what the evolutionary advantages of that are. And I understand the molecular components of this, right? And so his point was that my knowledge fills me with even more awe and wonder than just, oh, well, you know, it's magic. I'd like to uh, open a can of worms here after that beautiful imagery. <laughs> um, uh, and and I want to language something, and Creek, you may cut this out, I don't know. But, Mario, hearing you tell the the story about you being in Poland with the book, and then this story, and uh, languaging all of that, I think in another context, in another school, we could put a template on that, that that is spirituality in the Enneagram, right? This is how you work with that practically in real life. You see this other person's perspective. You see uh, Fenneman has this other beauty that he's seeing because of his understanding of how plants work, right? It's not just the beautiful words or the language, but it's the process. It's It makes it even deeper. You say, I can look at the stars and recognize the stars. Well, Carl Sagan understands the stars differently, but it doesn't mean that your experience of the stars is any less awe-inspiring or wonder-filled. But a thing that's coming up for me here and I've, I've, this is a sort of a unifying thread in Enneagram work that I've done in schools that I've learned, and an ongoing conversation with Creek and I, is part of how you do Enneagram work, unquote, right, is to practice discomfort, right, practice unfamiliar things, expand your ability to stay with those things where you can have a broader experience of reality, right? And I think one of the things that your approach offers to that effort is beautifully languaging what might be happening, right? Instead of everybody's own self-concept, let's use these terms in this way and explore it together, right? Let's, uh, let's same page, where then we can see what else comes up. And I'm curious if you experience that as a teacher, right, but also as a participant in the, the rooms that you're teaching, how you experience that uh, pursuit of expansion. You know, it, it's interesting to me because my reaction to this and and um, is is kind of isn't this what we're supposed to do, right? Right? Um, you know, and and when you were describing my approach versus other approaches. I was having a hard time seeing that, and now Creek, you can decide whether to leave this in or not, but I was seeing that less as praise for my approach than an indictment of 
other approaches. Um, you know, shouldn't we be trying to get uncomfortable and expand and grow and um, if we're calling ourselves seekers after truth, shouldn't we challenge our beliefs, the beliefs of others to get closer to what's true? Because you, you don't <laughs> you, you don't get closer to what's true by believing things. You get closer to what's true by getting rid of things. Okay, it's just, you know, very simple. That's the whole idea of falsification that Crete identified. And, you know, so, I, you know, we, we can never really fully understand what those twinkling lights in the sky are until we start getting rid of our assumptions about what they are that are wrong. Okay. I mean, the medieval belief was that, uh, you know, they were pinpricks in you know, the, the tapestry of, you know, the, the night sky or something. Well, okay. Good enough for me. Right. You know, okay. Okay. You know, you know, uh, or we can say, yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Okay. And here's why I think that's wrong. And which says, okay, now that we know they're not that. And what, what's striking me here is, and that keeps um, us closer. Go ahead. Here's some level of pushback in my head of people like, well, my experience is this. And if we're talking about the experience of the stars, like their experience is like makes the most sense of, of pin pinpricks in the night sky. Um, and that's all the that's all the data they had available. But then as we continue to expand our experience of what the stars were we get more data and we're able to have a clearer picture of what they are. And so, yeah, this, in some ways that the star example works, it also is, is everyone can agree. Like we're, we're never probably going to get to the stars necessarily. Um, but when it comes to whether it's sense of self or you name any other sort of belief, it's like my experience of this is that it's true. And, I think from my perspective, it's like, yes, but what more can be experienced within that, that, that can more clarify what it is you are experiencing. Um, because we, 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 it's been showed time after time of like what we experience (laughs) is, is often very far from what's actually happening. Um, that the phrase that comes up for me is, from one of my teachers of it's real, <clears throat> it's real, but it's not true. Uh, um, like what I experience as sadness in my chest is, is real, but it's not, there's not an actual thing called sadness in my chest. Um, real, but not true. Yeah. I'm a practitioner, okay? So my job is to help people to expand people's capacities, which involves expanding their ability to think 
about things and name things more accurately and, you know, to get more skillful at acting in the world, which involves being a more skillful thinker, which involves being more emotionally intelligent. Okay. So I am doing my job right now. If you come to me and say, you know, this is what I'm feeling in my chest. So it's right for me. Okay. I, okay. You know, it's none of my business. Right. Um, so we always have to, and again, for me, I, I, I try to make such a clear distinction between subjective experience and objective knowledge or facts. Okay. You tell me your tooth hurts. I, I get, you know, I get, Okay, I, I've got no reason not to believe you. I've got no way of not of disproving what you're saying. Okay, if you're telling me you got 64 teeth in your mouth, I can say, okay, open up, let's count. Them. Okay, right? <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, 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 you know, once you get into an analogy, you got to run with it, and yeah. you know, sometimes it takes you in a really bad place. You know, but uh, anyway. So and when the teeth have cavities, <laughs> like is that still a tooth? You know, are you so, getting? I'd say, <laughs> is a cap count twice? Yeah. <laughs> so so again, you know, there's a subjective claim, which okay, your tooth hurts. Uh, you know, what can I do to help? Yeah, you know, you you want some, you know, or a gel? Yeah, you know, you want uh, you know some Advil? You know, you know whatever. Uh, okay. But if you're under the illusion I've got 64 teeth in my mouth, you know, 64 teeth in my mouth, and therefore my mouth is, you know, better than somebody else's mouth or, you know, more efficient at consuming, <laughs> you know, root vegetables. There it is, folks. Um, like turnips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way callback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I, I got to call you out on that, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if, you know, and say, well, you know, maybe the problem is something else. Okay. Because there aren't. And what I, what I feel like I'm hearing is like, this, so, uh, yeah, again, you know, so this again, cultivation I, of compassion of like, ah, I hear, I hear that, sh that you're having a problem with your teeth. Let's figure that out and have an effective efficacy way of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to your point, I can I can do an X-ray. Right. And that'll give me some data. Maybe the X-ray will show me something and maybe it won't. I, re I remember years ago having, um, you know, I went through a period where I, I started getting shortness of breath and chest pains and, you know, this sort of thing. And, you know, and I thought, hmm, this is not good. So you started you know, smoking was, cigars. Got it. <laughs> okay. Probably like late <laughs> 40s or something. But uh, the, <laughs> Right. Look, you know, I'm rigorous. I may not be smart, but you know, it's you know, so so uh, so you know, so what does the doctor do, right? I mean, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's not a great sign. Um, so let's do some tests, you know. And they did tests, and they couldn't find anything wrong. And they said, okay, well, we don't see anything, but. You know, this still is not what you should be feeling. So let's do some more tests, you know. And eventually they did some tests where they found something. And, you know, it turned out to not be a big deal. But um, 
but the idea is that they didn't say, oh, no, you don't feel any pain, you know, um, nor did they rush me into some treatin- treatment. Okay, they kind of followed a process and a protocol of, okay, well, let's evaluate the evidence and let's see where this takes us. And let's again, let's get closer to the truth. Um, You know, so um, I don't know. I guess to me, this all just seems so self-evident, right? Uh, Sorry, y'all, I need to wrap up here. Um, But to. Okay. Yeah. Now, there's just a gap between mm. what is and what ought to be. It should be self-evident, but it isn't necessarily, right? Well, this is, this is true. I mean, and that's an excellent point, right? Because, again, one of the things we teach is that humans are not wired to see clearly, right? As some of the Enneagram tells us, it's what all the wisdom traditions mm-hmm, tell us, mm-hmm. it's what all the scientists tell us. Humans see through filters, and so they need technology and they need tools and they need this, right? You know, so, uh, but, you know, I don't know, To since we're short on time here, um, you know, I, I want to get back to this thing about, um, I don't know, being difficult to engage with or something like that, right? I mean, because, you know, I mean, I think you guys know from being in our trainings, mm-hmm. we, you know, treat people well and you know embrace different points of view and respect different points of view and um you know my view is always you know believe what you want i you know it's not in my business i will share with you what i believe and you can take it or leave it and if you want to disagree with me on something i believe or teach then that's fine too um back it up Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of these things, I, you know, on social media, I don't go into other people's playgrounds and throw rocks at them or anything, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, come on to mine. Yeah. Here are and, the rules of the know, game. Okay. Yeah. You know, let's hash this through. Right. So, yeah. 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 Right. You know, yeah. Ar- truth springs from argument, argument amongst friends. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I will say as a student, and since this might be my only (laughs) podcast appearance here. um, I don't know. You you have much better internet connection. All right, maybe. Maria Jose's going to have to fight for her job. No, no. Well, (laughs) I got that going for me, which is nice. Um, What I was going to say is, and I found you to be an incredibly generous person with your time, with your thoughts, and with hearing mine or other people's. And it might be that that might not, other people's impression may not read that way straight off, but I would endorse your generosity as one of a, a core feature of yours, actually. And <laughs> I would agree. A lot more patience than you might be yeah. given credit for. So, <laughs> well, that, that's kind of you. And, and the cigars. And the whiskey yeah. helps. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, know the rules of engagement. Come on, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God, I got to listen um, to this again. Well, oh, Mario man, Lee, thank you so much for this. This was, this was wonderful. I, I enjoyed just um, kind of shooting, shooting the stuff, um, <laughs> shooting the shit. I don't, I don't know what, if we're allowed to do that, but um, <laughs> I know. 
Creek is so afraid of that explicit yeah, warning on the podcast. Um, you know? But right? listener, yeah. thanks I'm for thanks for tuning in. Um, if you'd like more right. of these episodes where we're just kind of chatting about what comes to mind and hearing Mario's random stories, um, then then uh, yeah, let us know. <laughs> and with that, dear some of which are we'll even true. Yeah, <laughs> some of which are even true. So long. Mm-hmm.